Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday role-playing game. In this case, I am running the Shadow Dark RPG by Kelsey Dion over at Arcane Library using the campaign setting of The Gloaming, which is part of Curse Scroll 1, also by Arcane Library for Shadow Dark. It's really, really fun. And I'm really enjoying it. My players are really enjoying it. This, I think, is session 21 or something like that. So we've been running a lot of sessions of this and enjoying it quite thoroughly. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome stuff, a dedicated Discord server, a monthly Q&A, the City of Arches sourcebook, Uncovered Secrets Volume 1 and 2, a bunch of exclusive adventures, a bunch of tools to help you run your games, tons and tons and tons of really awesome stuff that you get for being a patron of Sly Flourish. And to the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much for your support. Last week, I talked about being stuck between two air, air elementals, a, a stone guardian, and a gelatinous cube, that the characters were stuck in a hallway. Let's see if I can, if I can pull up the map. Do I still have the map? I do. So they were stuck between the hallway to the, lower, to the upper right here, had a gelatinous cube, two air elementals in here, and a stone golem that was bashing its way through the walls over here. And, and, and their torch just went out. One of the, I'll tell you a strong start, <laughs> like a, a shadow dark strong start is always your torch goes out and we'll see where things happen next week. And look, oh God, why? I don't know why, but ending the, <laughs> ending it where no matter, like you're constantly escalating the, the risks, are you constantly escalating the tension? And, and then you can always escalate one further by going, and then your torch goes out, Right. Uh, it's pretty funny. So that that actually happened. Their torch went out. The characters were separated, split apart by air elementals and everything else. Gelatinous cube on one side. And a lot of craziness ensued. So they did realize... I wasn't sure what they were going to do. And I, I just wanted to kind of, like in my prep last week, I wanted to make sure that there were at least a few options about what they could do without being too heavy-handed about what options they had so that they wouldn't just get completely destroyed by all of these monsters that they're surrounded by. And they ended up working it out pretty well. I think the only punches that I pulled is I didn't have the air elementals hammering them with every attack all the time. This kind of fits into a article that I think is, did it come out? Is it coming out? Uh, I think it just came out on Sly Flourish about uh, the number of attacks that a monster has. The dial, the specific dial of number of attacks, which works just as well for Shadow Dark as it does for 5e and probably many, many RPGs where monsters are making attacks. And uh, that's, a, that's a dial that you can use. And so I dialed down the attacks on the air elementals a little bit. I gave them one attack instead of two. So they didn't do two attacks each on every time. And I also had them do a lot of their throwing people around. Now, what I did instead was any time that they were, the characters were trying to move through the space of an air elemental, the air elemental, the air elemental would hurl it about. And if they hit walls and stuff, I would roll a die of damage to determine how much it did. So I kind of moved the attack over to being more of an environmentally thing. So I think I would, I still was fair. I, I, I didn't, you know, I think like if the Aromatsis had just been hammering people with multiple attacks, I'm just going to drop characters. And I thought it would actually be more fun and more stressful and cause more psychological issues if I was to instead have the air elemental, like they have to move through and take damage. So that, that worked out. They ended up, so they, they managed, I think they destroyed one of the air elementals. They were going through the other one and they were trying to, they, 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 you know, the goblins managed to bait one of the characters into the gelatinous cube who got stuck on the gelatinous cube and started burning. And other people are trying to like figure out, do they shove the person through the gelatinous cube so they get to the other side? Do they try to pull them out of the gelatinous cube? How do they get them out of the gelatinous cube? 
And then uh, Morrigan, who has her dagger that can make other plane, that can carve the holes in the world, carved a tiny little hole in the world that sucked the gelatinous cube through, spat out everybody else. And and then they and they fled. So it it it, it or they didn't flee. They, they then you know triumphantly after destroying a gelatinous cube that way, uh, headed to the north with their with their goblin their goblin scouts in tow, and returned back to Aklaklik, the goblin the goblin town of Aklaklik, which is a made up that's a made up town that for just our campaign. So they managed to get through. The golem got kind of trapped in his own collapsed tunnel. The one of the era, I don't remember what happened to the other elemental. I can't remember if they destroyed it. I think the air elemental, I think that's right. They, they did manage to get the air elemental into the gelatinous cube and both of them got sucked into the other world. So the big question of what happens when an air elemental and a gelatinous cube hit each other, we did have that discussion. Does it turn into a giant soap bubble? Does it, is it like throwing He-Man slime into a fan? Uh, but then you add the other thing of you carve a tiny little hole uh, in the world and it sucks them out through into a portal to another world that worked out well they also got a glimpse of another world i'm trying to remember how that happened but they i can't remember if it was carved with the knife or something else but they managed to open up a portal to another world and instead of using red sands which i had talked about doing in the last session that i was actually going to open up a gate that had a portal between red sands which is one campaign world from curse scroll 2 and the gloaming, which is the, the kind of haunted forest from Curse Scroll One. You know what would be neat is if uh, I, I just rolled. So I, I rolled a random world using my random world generator from the Lazy DM's Companion, which you can pick up on the Sly Flourish bookstore. It's a really this book right here, and it's packed with tables that you can use for all kinds of RPGs, including Shadow Dark. You can use it for Shadow Dark. You can use it for anything. And I rolled a random world, and it was this world on the edge of a black hole with a huge like obsidian spires and molten lava and there was this titanic like obsidian titan thing obsidian primordial that was like on the edge of it that kind of like looked at the portal because it's the first living thing it had seen in millions of years and they're like oh we don't want to go there so i think when they carved the world that was the world that it got sucked to as this was this completely you know melted world so it was really neat and people people are like wow what the hell was that so there's definitely one of the fun things that's been going on in this in this shadow dark game is the characters are like your typical delver types they're going on adventures they're called crawlers right and I, I i've been forgetting to kind of use the term of crawler which is is the term for adventures in shadow dark and the idea that there's like this collision of these god gods and or godlike creatures that are occurring all around them you know, they could be like Morrigan, one of the characters, could be the like great great granddaughter of a god named Shun. And there are all these kind of connections. And yet they're still like, oh, man, you know, we'll easily get killed by a trap. And they did. One character got blasted with a lightning trap in the face and died. That was uh, a couple episodes back, a couple sessions back. That has been interesting. I think it's kind of contrary to the what you would expect from a typical Shadow Dark game. But I'm also using the stuff that's in the book. So... You know, whatever. And maybe I'm just grabbing onto it a little too hard and turning everything into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But, you know, but it's really, it's really good. So, you know, I don't know. We're, we're, we're going to see where all this ends up. Uh, so they went back to Aklaklik. They did some shopping. Hey, my mom is here. Hi, mom. 
They did some shopping. They did the downtime activities. They're in there mostly into level five now. Level fives, I think we have one person who's at level six and then everyone else is, and then I think everybody has gotten out of level four. And there might be like one person who's got like one point away from level five, which really sucks because like, can't I just find a golden cup somewhere? <laughs> I just need to find one golden cup and then I can be level five. And then I, as long as I don't die, they really don't want to die with like 39 of the 40 experience points that they need in order to get to the next level. So uh, their next step, oh, so the, the big conclusion was that they went outside and met Barbarog, the troll who they had saved from the, 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 the realms below. And Barbarog is like, look on the edge of the horizon, right? He's like, come on up on the top of this rock. And so they crawled up on top of the rock that there's a big kind of rock where the caves are that lead to the, the, the village of Akleklek. They climbed up to the top of the rock, so it's over tree height, right? They can see over the trees, and they look on the horizon, and these huge mountains, these big jagged mountains, all around the outer edge, right? All around the outer edge of the horizon. So that every direction they look, there's these big mountains. And they're like, what are those? And he goes, those aren't mountains. Those are teeth. And they're like, what? And they said, that's, you know, when we talk about Almazots devouring the world, that isn't figurative. That's literal. And those are Almazat's teeth. We're in its mouth. And all it takes is for the jaws to close in and it will devour and it will devour the gloaming. And so they're like, holy cow. Like, look at that. <laughs> like, we, we, what are we going to do? So I thought that was kind of a neat image. And, and one of my players gave me some feedback that that was a really cool kind of image of seeing these, these on the hazy horizon giant teeth. They also, because they have this hourglass, they shook the hourglass and a grain fell through. And now there is a hole that is in the bottom of the lake of Fen Fenimir Lake has now drained. And there's a big hole at the bottom of the lake that's leading to the world of Marrow. So the connection between the world of Marrow and the gloaming has gotten even thinner, uh, both because Alma's... And I, I imagine that if you look through that hole into the world of Marrow, you're kind of looking through the gullet of Almazots, who's devouring the world, this world-devouring entity that was built by Kytheros to destroy worlds that have been influenced by Mugdoblub. I know it's complicated. Mugdoblub is a big slime god. Uh, as Mugdoblub's influence into a world, Kytheros, the lord of time, says, well, that world is done, so let's get rid of it. And he uses his huge summoned creature called Almazots to devour the worlds and get rid of them. And then it, it eats all organic matter, and then all of the remaining stuff is thrown into the world of Marrow. That's the short of this campaign. So uh, the character's next goal... Their next plan, they, they chose their next step, and their next step is going to be heading to the Red, Red Thorn camp. So Greaves Redthorn is a former member of the Knights of St. Yidris, who are sort of anti-paladins that go around causing all kinds of trouble, uh, claiming to like get you know, purge evil from the world, but in actual, of course, they are the evil in the world. And uh, Greaves Redthorn was a former member of those, but I think I might, I, I don't know if I'm going to have him be a former member or an actual member of the Knights of Yidris. We'll, we'll, we'll contemplate that today. And he is at this Red, the Red Greaves camp, Red Greaves. I keep saying Redthorn. It's Red Greaves. Red Greaves? Greaves. No, Greaves Redthorn. So it's Redthorn. And in his camp is this huge marrow tree, this great big, you know, like could have at one point been like the equivalent of a world tree or something like that. That's now split asunder and is another rift to the world of marrow. And the, so the characters believe that they are going there to try to close this rift. I think what's actually happening there is that Greaves Redthorn is summoning uh, Undaluk. Undaluk is the herald of Almazat. And, it is a big, huge, ugly, six-eyed wolf creature 
that I think is in the book. I think there is a, I think they call it the Marrow Fiend. There we go. Marrow Fiend. So Marrow Fiend is level eight. So that's that's totally doable. Wolfish hulk of a razor bone and sinewy muscle. Black marrow tree sap drips from its jaws and escapes with its bony plating. That is a Marrow Fiend. It's a level eight, but that a level eight is certainly doable sap gout. So it's a two claws. So it's really vicious, right? As a level eight, it hits hard. Uh, 39 hit points, which isn't a tremendous amount of hit points, but characters do a lot of damage. By the way, They've, they're hammering out damage now at, at fifth level. Use turn to devour a humanoid body to regain 3d8 hit points. So it can also devour somebody. I might, I might increase its attacks a bit and say that it can do that instead of a sap gout. When they talk about a near line, though, what's interesting of that is how do you know that they're lined up if you're running like Theater of the Mind style play? That's kind of an interesting interesting way that works so we have our marrow fiend we know that we're going to probably be having i think the marrow fiend is going to be there this is the summoning of of undaluk and one of the questions that i've been putting myself to sleep with at night is what does the marrow fiend do what's its what is the purpose of a herald in a to a world that is going to be completely devoured like why would almazats and or kythero send bother to send a herald to a planet it's going to destroy anyway that's a that's a big question that i've got uh, but let's get started with some notes. Let's get started with some by setting up some some notes. So once again, I am using Notion to do my campaign planning. You can learn more about Notion in the show notes. Uh, I create a new session template or a new session from the template. Today is 11 Feb 2024. The gloaming. The strong start are the mountains. Almazots grow. So they're 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 exiting the caves of uh, Aklaklik. And they're beginning beginning their journey to Redthorn Camp and the Twisted Marrow Tree. Is that a strong start? Not really. So what's ha- what happens, right? So they've they've they come out. They are you know what what's going to occur? So we've already shown the mountains. So they know that that's there. I mean, we could do a precursor of the coming of Undaluk where maybe they see like images of six eyes peering down and a voice that says like, I am coming. And then like a a weird twisted beam of light comes down from the sky and slams into the surface where they're headed. And they know that, um, you know, they, they know that something is coming. So we could have like the, uh, you know, the signs of underlook. That'll, that'll do for now. Uh, I have not reviewed the characters. So which characters do we have today? Uh, we have Morgan Nightweaver, who has the longest backstory, is the only character I think to have survived from the beginning. Uh, I kind of hope Morgan survives. But if Morgan, I have definitely put Morgan in situations where death was a definite possibility and, and she managed to manage to escape. So uh, even if Morgan dies, I think we're still good. We have Dazder, human witch shaman, carries the remnant of Memnon. That's Jay's third character. We have Calum, the elf wizard we have who survived he was kind of the fancy pants elf wizard there was dart who was not who went to a for-profit wizard school but he was killed by getting blasted through the skull with a lightning bolt lauren is a goblin scout leader uh that is the one who has the 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 the, the uh, goblin scouts Uralt, not Geralt, but Uralt of the riviera who is a knight of a former knight of saint Yid- yidrith 
So that's definitely a connection that we can that we can draw on. And Tribble, who is a halfling burglar, a halfling lawful burglar, who is a huge fan of the of the heroes of Wardenwood and has a T-shirt of theirs, but the only person on the T-shirt is Morgan because everyone else is dead. And then we have our glorious dead. Uh, most recently, no one died in the last session. Remember, I was like, I was really worried at TPKing everybody, and no one actually died. Uh, the last person to have died was Dart, who was uh, blasted through the skull with a lightning bolt and turned to ash. Previous members got curb stomped by a mummy, peacefully departed after being life drained by a mummy, thrown into a 150 foot gorge of boiling mud, torn apart by marrow wolves, another character torn apart by marrow wolves. Petrified and turned into a great ooze by a trap, killed by Reardon Vera Slayer, the forest dragon, after talking smack, even though they were was just singing. Lost the will to live. Oh, killed by a gelatinous cube, lost the will to live in bitter mold keep. Died in an acidic sand pit. Dragged through a fire trap while trying to be rescued. One of my personal favorites. And killed by ooze folk under town, but became a cheerful zombie afterwards. So 13 deaths, six characters in 21 sessions. Those are the characters today. So scenes are the the coming of the Herald and the journey, Red Greaves, to the Redthorn camp. That we're going to do some hex crawling and some other stuff. Then infiltrating the Redthorn camp, closing the Marrow Rift, and then next steps. So uh, I think, so those are those are some good scenes. You know, good, good plan. And uh, lots of open ended ways about like what happens during the journey and what, you know, how do they decide to infiltrate the Redthorn camp? I'm going to, I'm going to look up the Redthorn camp. We have our, our fantastic locations today. Uh, I'm going to delete this table. I don't want that there. And we're going to have Redthorn. We have Eklakalik. We have Redthorn camp and the Twisted Marrow Tree. I think that's really all we need for, I'm, you know, these npc lists and things like that that i put into my notes i don't like those anymore i don't i, I just like normal they're, they're it's just a little too complicated so i'm actually going to edit my template i had this idea that like you could mark an an, an npc or a location as current uh, and then it would show up there but i just i never use them and i like to have my notes be simpler than that so we're going back to more simple notes so that was the template i just edited the template to to get rid of those extra things so that's nice and straightforward so uh, we can also get rid of these and just all we really need is the one since i was bothering to go through the template let's do that too uh, it's really handy. This is when you're using the Notion template. You can you know always modify the template to serve you, right? Like you decide what you what you want. You decide what you want in there, what you need, and delete the rest. And I'm just getting rid of all of the instructions and putting it all down to like simple bullets. Yeah, really nice and straightforward. Very very simple. I'll give a hint, a little secret for my for my Empire of the Ghouls game. I've been starting to switch over to obsidian i've been using obsidian to do my campaign notes and i'm just getting started so i'm like not ready to write anything about it or like show it off or offer suggestions or anything like that i'm just starting to get used to it but it's really kind of reminds me of back when i was just using like notepad right for a long time if you look at the earliest versions of this show i wasn't using notion i was instead just using like bb edit was my editor of choice and i was just using markdown and that's pretty much what obsidian is like so I've been enjoying using Obsidian 
for doing my notes. It, I'm not I'm not ready to say like, and therefore I'm not using Notion anymore. It's like no, I still really like Notion too, and Notion definitely has some advantages. So uh, you know that's that's definitely been a thing. But you know I've even I've even written some little hints. I've got like a, a macro generator where I can type FOF six and it drops a Forge of Foe stat line in it automatically. So I've got some good things. So someday I am not ready to give my pros and cons or talk about any major things. And and I, I wouldn't even say Zero Alpha says, why the switch? And I'm like, I haven't switched. I'm using Notion right now. So I wouldn't go so far as to say switch. Trying things out. Like, I think it's always important to try things out. Like, I, I've also spent a few days working with um with Foundry, right? So a whole different VTT because I want to try these things out. So I'm trying these things out. But, you know, it is a big, it's like a big deal if you go from one whole platform to another. There's a lot of stuff that one has to do to kind of migrate. So I'm not I'm not ready to say that I'm moving from one to the other yet, but I really, I still really like Notion. It actually works really well for the show. It works really well for me to be able to share what I'm doing with people very easily and like share it with patrons and share it with everybody else where Obsidian, it's a little bit harder. So, but I do very much like the idea of like, I just have a directory full of files and those files in my, my notes. Like that's pretty cool. Obsidian also works really well with uh, iCloud, iCloud backup for the Mac. So it means I can keep that version on my phone and on my desktop, but it's still just a file directory. It's not like a whole separate service. I don't have to pay for it and all that. So it's really cool. Anyway, so I've been playing with Obsidian, but I'm still using Notion. Uh, And one of the things that playing with Obsidian has showed me about Notion is I actually like to have simpler notes. I don't want to have like a whole big thing with a lot of auto-generated stuff. It actually works better for me to just have bullets, good flat bullets and simple notes that, you know, are easy to print. I really don't need, like even having too many hyperlinks. One thing you'll see that I do here is I, 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 I think I'm overusing the internal hyperlinks. And the problem, like, why would you care? Is because like, if you ever view it and it's like original format, it creds them all up. So it's nice to have clean, good, clean notes. Anyway, there's a little talk about that. So secrets and clues. Uh, so one of the things I really got to think about is what it would be like to close the rift. I've never, I I don't know how to handle challenges like closing a great big open rift in Shadow Dark. I I, I mean, like in in sort of fifth edition style, you might do a series of, of ability checks, but I don't know that you're supposed to be using like a series of ability checks the same way in Shadow Dark. I don't know how that you know, how that plays out. Do you just have people roll like intelligence and wisdom checks to try to close it? I think it's probably better. And and I think this is even true in 5e is better is to ask yourself, how do you, how would you do it in the world? Like, what are you actually trying to do in the world to close it? And I think I had done that before, but like it's, it gets really hard because it's like, well, you can describe it and how do your players know what to do? Like you might have thoughts about, well, this is how I would do it in the world. And then you describe the way it is. And the players are like, I don't know, like a crazy rift filled with cilia that's torn open. Like I had this problem when they, when they saw, uh, when they were trying to rescue Barbarog and it was like, we don't know what to do with this thing. Can I roll a skill check? And you're like to do what? Right. So that's really tricky. Uh, so let's see. Greaves, Redthorn and his bandits have mostly succumb to the will and the influence of Marrow and Undaluk. They've become Marrow folk. So Marrow folk are different than Mugdalblub folk. Mugdalblub folk, their skin has gotten super translucent. Their, their limbs are all bendy. In this case, they're like covered in spikes and stuff like this. You know, they, they have like spines growing out of their bodies. They have this weird like cilia that they can like spit out and grab people. 
Uh, so I think, you know, they, they look different. They're probably long and lean and weird looking. Some of the red thorns have given themselves completely over to Almazat's underluck. Others were here just for a good time and a steady paycheck. And all this stuff freaks them out. All this silliest stuff freaks them out. So that way there, there are potential... There's the potential... I don't know how to spell cilia. Somebody help me out with the spelling of cilia. Underlook. C-I-L-I-A. Hey, that, that, the, the spell checker liked it. Thank you. Thanks, Elizabeth. You get a free token. A three, free mark on your bingo chart. What else do we have? Other secrets. Underlook is coming through a huge rift at the base of the marrow tree below the surface of the hill. That way we get another dungeon. Yay! I love dungeons. What else? So what does so this is the question, right? So you so Kytheros, here's the deal, right? Kytheros loved making worlds and he was making worlds using Mugdalblub to do it. But then he realized that Mugdalblub being this evil entity would instead make a world for a little bit and then would just revert back to ooze state. And any world that Kytheros had touched with Mugdalblub became corrupted and then Mugdalblub could actually try to follow these holes through worlds and destroy other worlds. So I think that that is, that's kind of a secret, right? Is that Kytheros used Mugdalblub to build worlds, but it ended up corrupting those worlds. It then started to corrupt adjacent worlds by following the paths Kytheros used to travel from world to world. So Kytheros created Andaluk, or Almazots, the world worm, to devour those worlds corrupted by Mugdalblub before he could sp- before it could spread even further. So I think so. The big question of uh, Reeves Redthorn used to be a knight of Saint Idris. The knights were charged with eliminating evil throughout the gloaming. Greaves realized that it was Mugdalblub, that the only way to stop, you know, that Mugdalblub was the greatest evil and can only be stopped by the coming of Almazots. So that's a, is it Yidris or Yidrith? I don't know. That's a good question. Let's find out. Curse scroll one. Uh, Yidris, Y-D-R-A-S. But that's okay. Continuity, schmontinuity. So what do I have? Uh, oh, Reeves and his fellow found what's his name the sorcerer haldron near the well the vile well they trapped him within rather than try to go down there and face the horrors within so the the big secret is haldron isn't in his tower haldron is trapped in the vile well so that saves them a little bit of a, a trip, like to go all the way to the tower, to Haldren's tower. They may go there, they may not. It depends on like, does the secret ever come up? They go to the vile well. They, so I, I kind of, you know, I don't mind them going to Haldren's tower, but along the way they need to figure out Haldren's not at the tower. He's actually in the vile well. And there's two objects. This is kind of for later. It's not really a secret I need to put in place now. There are two objects that Haldren requires. One, 
And I think one of them is in the tower. That's right. Yeah, one of them is in the tower. And that is the portal to many worlds, the well of worlds, which is looks like a big tarp that you can throw on the ground and it opens up to other worlds. Mugdleblub wants that desperately because he wants to use it to travel to every world and, and turn it all into Mugdleblub stuff. And the other is a sphere of annihilation. And the sphere of annihilation is down in the vile well. He was trying to go down there to get it and was trapped down there by the Knights of St. Edith somehow. I don't know how. And the characters will have to go to the vile well, save Haldren, rescue him, and get a hold of the uh, Sphere of Annihilation. And then they can use that in the well and they could destroy Mugdoblub and save the world. That's the theory. So the, the big question, the one that's been keeping me up nights, it hasn't actually kept me up nights. I, it's the question that I've been pondering to help myself go to sleep, which is what is Undaluk, what does Undaluk do? So you're Kytheros, you've created this world devouring worm that gets rid of the worlds. And you're like, oh, I want to send a herald. Like, what, what purpose does the herald serve for a world that is doomed, right? Why would you tell people? What does Kytheros or, or, or Almazots want to tell the living creatures of the world? What does, what is, you know, what is Undaluk's purpose in the, in the world? You know, that's, that's a, a big question right if they're all going to be annihilated anyway what would he want to ensure that this herald does i mean i guess he could like you know he's not a complete bastard and he's like well i'll send i'll send underlook to go prepare them so that they can all know like he's kind of an egocentric guy like you know let them all know their fate right and let them all know to accept their fate and that let them understand the the, the purpose of their destruction right it's an apology to her, uh, but probably also to look for any issues that might be going on. Like, is there anything that could cause problems? Uh, Underluck's purpose is to inform the sentient population of the purpose of their destruction. That makes sense. Heroes can't create life, so Underluck is sent as a mini Noah's Ark. I, uh, so actually, the Noah's Ark in this is is Titania. Titania is the the Fey Queen, who wants to rescue artifacts and is willing to give sentient creatures passage to the realm of the Fae in exchange for powerful artifacts. Um, so that's kind of a Noah's Ark element. But I don't think that there is a... I don't think that there's a direct connection. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I need. I got one more secret, uh, one more key secret here. Anything else that I want people to know? Any Any other things that... Greaves, Redthorn, and or the bandits at the camp, and or Knights of St. Eadrith. The knights worship their own demigod who exists in... Oh, what if... Oh, I got a thought. I had a thought. This is why, like, think about... Uh, and is it the, it's not the Meyer Castle ruins. Let's see. Where is it? The Greywall Priory exists in the Greywall Priory. I think it's possible that Almazots or uh, Undaluk is charged Almazots and Kytheris parlay with St. Yidrith, St. Yidris, to form an Armageddon alliance. That could be kind of neat. Another element could be that they fear that Titania uh, will, will, will bring the corruption of to other worlds. I think Undaluk also charges the knights to recover the Well of Worlds, or it can be used by Mugdoblub. So it's got some jobs. 
right? I think like it, it's sent, it's being sent to this world with clear jobs to do. I think that works out. I think those, that's, that's plenty. I have plenty of secrets. Cool. Location. So let's take a look at Redthorn Camp. This is where they're going. So Redthorn Camp, I think I, oh, I didn't. So I, I want to have a couple of thoughts here. So th this, I like this map for the, the camp itself. And that at the top is like this structure that is built around, well, let's see. So there's like an altar. And I probably, there's like an old ruin at the top and it's sitting next to a tree that's not on this map. But it would be right to the south of that structure. And that's the top of the tree that is growing and it's huge and overtakes it. And it's dripping marrow, dripping these little droplets of, of nastiness all over anybody that goes underneath it. And there is a passageway in the ruin that leads down into the roots, the roots of the marrow tree. And I need a map for that. I thought I had one. Uh, let me just make sure I don't before I go through all the trouble. Yeah, no, it looks like I did not pick a map out. I think the Ruins of Mara already did. Yep. That was like their first dungeon that they went into. Okay. So we are going to go and we're going to use my, let's see, my Dyson map picker. Patrons of Sly Flourish, as I mentioned before, I get lots of access to cool things. One of the tools they get, they get access to four really cool online tools, one of which is the Dyson Commercially Licensed Map Gallery. Uh, you can go to Dyson's and pick out your maps too. I wanted a gallery that made it a little bit easier for me to sort through a bunch of maps very quickly. And I built this tool that is downloadable, so you can download it and have all the maps on your local machine, thus cannot be enshittified. And, uh, or you can run it online from my direct URL where you can pick up any of these maps. These are maps that are commercially available. Dyson has made these maps available for commercial use, which is why I'm able to do it for the Patreon. And uh, it gives me a quick way to kind of scan through. So what am I looking for? Probably more natural cave type caves. I think it even randomly sorts them. Let's see. Let's let's reload the page and see if the maps change. Yeah, if you notice when you when you it randomly sorts them, so you're not going to just keep seeing the same maps at the top. Uh, I don't know how many maps it has. Hundred hundreds, right? It goes on and on and on and on and on. Whee. Nice thumbnail so that it's easy to pick out maps and they're randomly generated. So every time you hit it, you get sort of a random set of maps. That way, you're not always starting at the top seeing the same maps. Uh, you get to you get to pick them out. Um, and this should be enough. My my goal with this is that there are enough maps that you could run RPGs for the rest of your life and not have to worry about finding maps. Maps are solved. <laughs> I don't know if that's quite true. You never need to look for another map. Sorry, map. Sorry, cartographers. Ooh, this one looks good. Look at that guy, right? I like this. Where would the... So if we use this one and they kind of come down that main area and we could have it... I like this one. Yeah, so, so we're, we're definitely gonna use this. So I'm gonna copy this image. I'm gonna stick it in my notes. I'm gonna paste it in here. Boom. Now, one problem uh, is that often these, these maps are pings and they're huge. Look at the resolution on this map, right? It's huge. So what I often do is I save it locally and then I, it's a ping. It's also in ping format, which makes the file size. He's Dyson's figured out some way to make the file size low, but not every VTT really likes it. So I usually make it a JPEG because JPEGs render faster and then I adjust the size, and this map is 9,600 pixels wide. I am going to cut it down to 4,000, so less than half, which is actually one quarter the size. And that is what we're going to put into our Albert Rodeo. So I'm going to go into Albert Rodeo here, and I'm going to add a new, a new map. And we've got my 
under structures. Here is my my trick for, let's see. So we want to see like what, so it, it matched up the grid, right? But I actually don't want to have a five foot square grid. I want a 10 foot square grid. So I'm going to make it twice the size. And if you look now, every square is 10 feet and I like that better. So that's good. And then we do import and we are doing the fog fill and snapping is off. And we're calling this, uh, what the, the roots of the marrow tree import. So we've now got a owlbear map ready to go. You can see that did not take a, a long period of time. And we are all, we are all set. Uh, I can probably do the other map too. This guy, download that. Uh, we will open that guy up and see how big he is. So that's already a JPEG, so I don't have to worry about that one. So we'll create in here. Marrow tree, import, too big. The tools adjust size. Uh, it's also 9600, so make it 4000. Did that in preview. I use preview on my Mac. Any of your image editors can work. Uh, I'm also going to make this one a 64, 64 squares. That should work. Fog is on. Opacity is on. We're going to call this marrow tree hill import. And we have that now, Bear Rodeo too. Fully fogged and ready to go. Most of this they should be able to see. We are going to remove the fog because they can they can see it. And we are instead going to Draw, can I, can I, will this draw fog? No. So we're just gonna block off the areas that they can't see. All of the rest of that looks looks fine, right? This is, this is what it looks like in regular. So that one they can see. So that's cool, so we got that. Uh, so I, before I had talked about whether I had 30 bandits, I don't think there's that many bandits now. Uh, there might be 30 bandits around the whole place, including the basement. Um, the five marrow wolves, uh, and they're no longer bandits, they're now, uh, there's probably a 15 bandits and 15 marrow folk, marrow folk bandits who serve greaves. Two knights. So these are, these are all the people that would be including people that would even be in the, in the chambers below. We could even make our own little random encounter table here. A, a real quick one of like um, apprehensive bandits, marrow, band, marrow folk bandits, marrow wolves, knight plus marrow folk. What else might they run into here? It might be enough. I, I know it's only four, but that's probably enough. You know, because we're, you know we're not going to roll, we're not going to roll too much. We could also roll other random encounters here, but that that probably works for what's down here. I may do so. Then um, uh, we can do some quick locations, and we so at the start of this this, this spire. So what was this place? So we'll say, oh, this could be a Fey temple. Oh yeah. So what if there were like relic hunters? And we could have marrow folk bandits plus fairy. So I think that this was like a former temple or it was a former temple or like a stronghold of, of elves, right? Former elven stronghold for followers of Titania. I think that that works. So we could have like elven statues. Uh, you know what I'm going to do? We are going to download that. I think I've already got it on my, my map. And I'm going to print it. Print it on a sheet of paper. And then what I like to do is I then take a pen and I write my location descriptions right on my printed copy of the map. It is super fast, it is super easy, and it works really, really well. Uh, but some of the ideas that I'll probably... I'm not going to do it during our show here now. A, I'm probably, we're not probably going to get this far in 
in this session. Uh, so you may, I may do some homework for this and then you'll see it next time. Uh, but I think in general, like we have these carved pillars that are like pillars of elven, elven heroes. So where would the marrow tree be? The root of the marrow tree, I think will be in that upper right hand corner. I could now, so this, this, I think definitely goes against the principles of shadow dark, but a thing you can do if you want people to really enjoy the exploration of a place is you move the key and the key in this place is the marrow tree and the, the, the rift. And it could either be in the north or the south, and I could move it depending on which direction I want them to go. But on the other hand, like they're not even that connected. So I, I think like the problem is if they come down those stairs, they're two rooms away, the marrow tree to the south. So I think it is probably to the north. Now, instead, you could say that there's actually to close. Ooh, this could be this could be better that in order to close the rift, uh, there are two anchors and the anchors must be destroyed. And there are these like elven pylon pylons that have to be destroyed. And that's why they chose this place to tear open the world tree. So what if like that westernmost chamber, let's see, here's a thought. I kind of like it. The westernmost chamber here is, that's where the tree is. And the, the rift is right in there. They can see that the rift is, is, is open. And, but it's being anchored by this pylon over here and this pylon over here. And both of those must be destroyed for the rift to close, which means you have to travel to both places, which means you have to cover a good deal of the map. I, I, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of fun, right? It's a little like Zelda puzzle-like, but, you know, it gets them exploring. It makes some interesting things going on here. So, and, and I think like it could be that it would be an artifact that two powerful feyish artifacts... So this is actually a secret. We should, we should stick this back in our secrets and clues. I got too many secrets today. Two powerful fairy artifacts keep the, the gateway marrow open. Both must be deactivated to close the rift. Titania has sent agents to recover these artifacts, but they haven't come back. And those artifacts could be random rolls in the treasure table. So it is, again, they can recover artifacts and those artifacts would be valuable things, right? They would be treasure that they can acquire. You know, a corrupted knight of St. Yidris guards each of the artifacts whose energy is channeled through ancient elven pylons to open the rift. The rift, man, I got, this is like 20 secrets used to be a gateway to the realm of the Fae, but has been convert, perverted, converted, twisted into a gateway to Marrow and the doorway of Undluck. Cool. So that gives me a lot to work with. You know, I got a cool map. It's on the, it's on the Dwarven Forge. I don't know that they're going to even get to this map today. They might get as far as this place. Uh, but I don't really have to worry about that. So that, that works out just fine. Is there anything else I need? I think I'm pretty well set today. I got tons of secrets, tons of secrets, characters. Uh, I don't have NPCs. I can, can make some up on the fly. Monsters, we're going to pull right out of the book. Treasure, I'm also going to roll from the book. So I think, you know, that gives me pretty much everything I need. A big question, like, oh, Mike, you're not following the eight steps. Well, no, I don't, I don't need all of the steps all of the time. In fact, it looks like three of the steps 
I don't really need. Uh, other five I have gone through. So I feel pretty good for today's game and we'll see how things go. A lot of it is because I'm rolling random random tables and random tables make life a little bit easier. Friends, I want to thank all of you for hanging out with me today while I prepared for my Shattered Ark game. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did and you like the stuff that I do, the best thing that you can do is subscribe to the free Sly Flourish newsletter. It's absolutely free to sign up. You get an adventure generator PDF for signing up and you get a weekly RPG related email sent to your inbox every Tuesday. You can also support me directly on Patreon. Patrons get access to lots of tools like the Dyson map thing that you saw, but also other tools to help you run your games, maps, adventures, City of Arches, Sourcebook, tons of stuff you get for being a patron of Sly Flourish. It's a really, really good deal for a very low price. And you can pick up any of my books, including Forge of Foes, Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, Lady M's Companion and Workbook, Fantastic Adventure Books, and a bunch of other stuff on the Sly Flourish bookstore. All of the links for those are in the show notes. Thank you all so much. Have a great day and get out there and play an RPG.